0: The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21
1: Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network.
0: It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition-era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor, strength, and body you are looking for in that moment. When you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar, the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch. Simple yet substantial.
2: Tobacco. Talent. Time. Romacraft Tobacco. It's the after show, the after show, the after show, the after show, and it's the after show, but we're actually doing this show a day in advance of the show, but we'll still call it the after show because that's what it is, and it's because there's a big storm or something's going on in Miami, and our guest is Nick Perdomo. He's up here, Nick, my friend Nick Perdomo. Glad to be here. And uh, instead of being uh, stuck on a storm, and I know you've been stuck in a storm with us here before in the wintertime, this time the, the storm is happening in Florida, and you're going to the storm. Yes, I am. Got to protect the family and the wife. There we go. Protect the family. And fly into the storm. Everybody else is trying to leave. You're going to go there, so you're leaving today as a Friday, and you're going to head out tomorrow morning first thing out. Yes, sir. And we're going to do the podcast, our regular podcast, right after. So we're going to. We had the opportunity to have Nick here, so why not jump on the opportunity and do the after show before the show? So there's a little heads up for you folks listening. So- you should have chanted before the show. Before the show, <laughs> right, right. Um, So uh, we have Nick Perdomo up here, and um, you see Jonathan is here. I think the last time you might have saw Jonathan was actually in Nicaragua. That's right. And um, we took the trip, and I've done it before, and we we had – multiple shows on the subject of going to your factory tour and here you are setting it up again Um, and i know you long enough if uh, i see you doing something over and over and over it means you're doing it for a reason it must be successful or you wouldn't do it
1: yeah it's super successful it's very educational and uh, it's not only educational for the retailer but also for the consumer and and i do it for a couple reasons i do it not only for the passion of what we do in cigar making and all the vertical integration we do but also not only it helps the retailer not only learn about Perdomo, but exactly everything that needs to be done in, in cigar making, not just cigar making, but also merchandising and selling the products correctly. It's not about you get a lighter for a cigar. It's about what's, how special that box of cigars are, and I think we've lost that, and I think the consumer… When they come down, they see how special those oh cigars are. Oh, my
2: God. Are. I would say blown away. <laughs> uh, to a consumer, I, c- I can just imagine what that must be like, first time seeing like that. But even for a retailer, a seasoned retailer myself, I've been to everybody's factory, Nick. I've seen it all. I, you, you, I would think I saw it all until I go the next time to your factory and see the new things that you're doing that I didn't even know existed. And you'd pull me out of the crowd out of there and say hey Dave you see me in the crowd have you ever seen this before and then I said no I have never seen this before you said that's because I invented it and one of the things that blew my mind was the seed and people talk from seed to the finished product from seed to cigar well there's work to be done before the seed is even the seed tell us a little about that
1: well I think the seed is probably the most important thing to make a cigar and a lot of people call themselves cigar makers and uh that's a, that's a big title to be called a cigar maker. And, uh, you know, it's no different than the ingredients in food. If you don't start out with the very best, you're not going to have the very best product in the beginning. And if the seed is not of the very best quality, you're not going to produce the very best tobacco plant. And a lot of people think, well, it's just a seed.
2: It's so microscopic, <clears throat> too. It's teeny, teeny. It's yeah. A, it's, a, it's a grain of sand, basically.
1: Pretty much is. Yeah. But that grain of sand has to be whole and it has to be perfect. And if it has any imperfection in it, like a divot or a cut, it's going to it's going to hold a virus or a spore or a mold, and it's never going to be a very healthy plan. At the end, it's not going to be a great cigar.
2: Was that something, Jonathan? It
1: was unreal. Yeah. It was unreal. Now, a lot of
0: cigar makers, we'll call them that, they give themselves the title of master blender. Are you a master blender?
1: I think I am, but I... I, I... I really don't like to use the word master because every day you learn. And my father always said something. I think I mentioned it to Dave earlier. If you're not learning something every day, you should put a gun to your head. And I, uh, <laughs> I think that might be extreme. Yeah. yeah and, but- <laughs> I, and I just, I think that I learn every day. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't call myself a master, but I think in over 25 years of doing this, I've, I've been learning every day from a lot of great People and I think a lot of the people that work for us, a lot of them are masters. I mean, I have a guy that's been in the industry for over 75 years. I think I could call him a master. I think sure. People like Sarah Gonzalez, who runs our facility, who's been doing this three years before I was born, and I'm 55 years old, so she's been doing this for 58 years. I think I could classify her as no, a master. She's, she retired at one point. She did. Then she then asked to come back. She did. Well, she actually retired three years ago, and uh, that retirement lasted for 47 days, and she missed uh, coming back to work, and she's still with us. And, and you
2: were paying her anyway.
1: Yeah, I paid her. She. Uh, my big thing is, if you do 20 with the company, I think you should you should get paid for the rest of the time. I mean, these guys took us to the...
0: Stratosphere, took, really.
1: Yeah, really. She was with me from, from day one, and uh, I... I love her. She's like my second mother. And I told her when she retired, I said, you get paid for the rest of your life. And um, she came back. She said, I miss it. And then I, I miss those kids. A lot of those kids have been with us for 20 years.
2: Right, <laughs> and they're not kids at all, right? Yeah,
1: but they're her kids. And yeah. uh, she's back, and uh, we're we're glad to have her. I mean, she's uh,
2: 74, and she looks phenomenal. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah, she does. So back to the seed, when – um you show people around and then we went downstairs and you said there's something very, very valuable in this room and this room is locked up and pretty much everything else is out there in the open. You got millions of dollars worth of tobacco leaves and bands and cliches and all the boxes and everything else that goes there. And here's this one little vault that's, that's Well, you got the,
0: two vaults in the whole facility. Your foil bands. And your seeds. Right. Those are the two the most seeds. valuable things.
1: Yeah, but those seeds, if you look at a little canister there it weighs only three pounds and you know, you have a lot of them I'm, I don't g I'm not i am not going to mention how many of those tubs, but each one of those tubs, you know, costs between sixty and sixty five thousand dollars. It's uh you gotta protect those.
2: Now how I would yeah. imagine on top of a plant is the flower and if you cover the flower up, it becomes seeds and you gotta thousands and thousands of tobacco plants. So it should be – there's a ton of seeds. Everybody's got all the seeds they want. Right. But not your seeds.
1: No, because once you you you, 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 you uh, open those capsules up, there's a lot of bad seed in there too. You know, there's a lot of defective seed. Um, and a seed should look like a marble if you if you put it under a microscope. It should be completely round. It should be perfect. And when that seed germinates, if it's got the weight and it's completely round – it's going to produce a great tobacco plant. Some seeds are are oblong, some seeds have little cracks in them, and if they have a crack or a divot, like I call them, when when they put it in the ground, any viruses or molds will be absorbed. It's no different if you cut your arm and you stuck your arm in the ground, any viruses or molds would come in through the cut of your arm and you would get an infection, and that's what happens to a lot of tobacco plants. And that's why a lot of times when guys grow crops, you know, they only get maybe a 60% yield or a 70% yield. And those things cost you at the end. So a lot of people think I'm out of my mind where I'm so diligent with with the start of the seed and the ground preparation and the types of mixtures where we grow, you know, we have worm farms, we grow on organic grounds and so on and so on. It's not overkill. Math is pretty easy and quality is pretty easy if if you follow the process and there's a process that you should start. And if you skip that process, you're as... Strong is your weakest link, and if you keep your link strong, you're going to satisfy your retailers and your customers. And a good friend of mine, who I'm looking at right now, gave me the mm-hmm. greatest compliment. He said, one of the things that I always can, can trust is anytime I bring somebody to the Perdomo cabinet, I always can say, That this cigar is always going to draw. It's always going to burn. It's always going to be consistent. I never forgot that. And I always tell that to everybody, Jonathan.
2: It's an insurance policy that I can walk somebody over to that. So important. If I need, it's a very important cigar that somebody needs their wedding. I need me and the, the father of the bride are going to smoke a cigar after. I just need two cigars. It's really important. Where am I going to take them to? The most expensive cigar? Well, the most expensive cigar still can have a draw problem. Something could be wrong. The insurance is I got to put them onto Perdomo because I know the experience is going to be absolutely perfect because I saw everything you do, including the draw testing. We not spent on-
0: two hours, not to go back to see yeah. and repeat Dave's coin story, but- Uh, We spent two hours talking about seeds, and I got a look from Nick because I was typing as fast as my thumbs could go, and he looked at me, and he continued talking, and he looked at me again, and I had to stop and say, Nick, I'm taking notes, so uh, I'm not texting anybody. I'm not messing around. And and because
2: of that, they have now little pads of paper that they give you to be able to write We have
1: notebooks now, uh, and I I appreciate that, but... You know, you got 10 years to get a customer and you got 3 seconds to lose yeah. one. I'm picky with everything I buy and I think our consumers and our retailers should be just as picky. And I think about that guy who buys that box of cigars for a wedding and I want I want everything to work. You know, it's no different than a gun. You can buy for example, I have a very expensive Kimber pistol. Great pistol. And I went out shooting with somebody and that thing jammed consistently. It had a lot of play and I spent a lot of money on it. And I met a guy who shot competitively with a very expensive gun company. It might have been that one, but I'm not going to mention the name. And he said, if I want to pull out a gun that works each and every time, you might not like the gun, but it works each and every time. It's called Glock, he told me. And he okay. said, if I had to protect my life, that's the one Beautiful. I want to use. And I thought to myself, that's what I want to be. I want to be consistent at work. I'd rather be a a, 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 a pistol that works each and every time. I don't have to be the most expensive. you got to remember… I'm a manufacturer. I make cigars. There's a lot of guys that say they make cigars, and they really don't. Dave, you've been in the industry a long time. You know it. It's no different than a car battery. you got 500 car batteries. Three guys make them. you got a bunch of these guys walk around with T-shirts and bad jeans and say they're cigar makers, and they really aren't. And they tell you they're cigar makers, but other people make their cigars. So, you know, listen, I'm a capitalist. You can say whatever you want, but to be a real cigar maker, vertically integrated, and you do things, yeah, there are savings because I do it. I don't pay somebody to make my boxes. I don't pay people to grow my tobacco. I do it myself. And vertical integration guarantees two things. Quality is one of them, which is the utmost of importance. And two, when you buy from a true manufacturer, you're going to save money. And a lot of times that hurts us because when people see a brand like Lot 23 and they say, wow, that brand is really reasonable. It must not be that good. No. That brand was priced reasonably because when my dad founded that farm, he said, make that cigar reasonable. I'd rather make a quick nickel and a slow dime. And I've kept that honor with my father. What he did, could I charge double? Yeah, I guess I could. I guess if I was a middleman and bought tobacco from people or bought cigars from other real manufacturers and then upped them, then I guess I could charge double. But, you know, we're reasonably priced because, one, we absorb desk chip, and, two, we actually make the cigars.
0: Do you have any thoughts toward it? And this seems to be a growing trend for manufacturers producing their own
1: shade-grown tobacco. Is that a direction that you see yourself going in Nicaragua? Well, in Jalapa, we're we're one of the biggest shade-grown wrapper companies there is today. And but we're growing shade-grown wrappers in Esteli. We started last year, and uh, we're expanding that. This year, we're we're going to expand by fifty percent. Uh, last year, we 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 grew not much. It was about forty acres. We're going up to eighty acres. Have you year. put it on anything yet? Uh, no, because the tobacco was just started last right. year, so but we were really happy. We did combustible tests just a month ago. The tobacco burns really well, so we're happy with it. I got a video I can, Which, I can so you're going to
0: be you're going to be in a short amount of time completely one hundred percent it's all perdomo tobacco in a perdomo cigar
1: yeah outside of we we do that now outside of you know champagne and, and all our Connecticut stuff, but all our maduro and all our sun grown tobaccos are hundred percent nicaraguan grown by us. The only thing that we buy is is uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut tobacco that we buy from, uh, from ASP Enterprises that we use for, for all our Connecticut stuff. Because, you know, we have three wrappers on all our lines. We have Connecticut, Sun Grown, and Maduro. So the percentage of tobacco that we buy today is very little because pretty much our growing operations take care of everything for Perdomo.
0: Wow. Well, they're doing it all. Now, there was a, a short amount of time, and I say short amount of time because in the industry you're an overnight success at 10 years, but there was a, a period of time where you really didn't seem to be doing events – especially on the weekends, and it seems like you and your team have been hitting the ground running. Is there a reason for the
1: change or am I just crazy and there was never a time when you weren't really doing weekend events? No, I've been working weekends for 17 years. I never took a weekend off. Mm. So um uh, it's something that I like to do very much. Uh, you know, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes, you know, nobody comes to me and says, I'm going to a funeral. I need a box of cigars. I hate you. I need a box of cigars. Everybody's happy to see you and really I do have to pinch myself uh I don't know by, why anybody wants to take a picture with me or sign a box of cigars but I'm really humbled by it I'm, I'm you know you're flattered to say the least but what what I really like is how people really enjoy what you do I can't tell you I was just recently at an event and the guy said you know I uh yeah you know, my son got married and I bought a box of cigars from you and I can't tell you the enjoyment we had I, I was at a two guys cigar dinner Tuesday night and a gentleman had driven eight hours from canada yeah (laughs) and uh and i i just got up and and i introduced dave to him and i walked up and i said guys this guy drove eight hours from canada say hi to him and all these guys went up and said hey sit at our table nice and at the end of the night he said hey thanks for doing that because i was sitting there by myself and he hung around with a bunch of guys but what guy drives eight hours to come see you from canada i mean you got to pinch yourself. I'm a real blessed guy. And what a great thing that cigars
0: are being the great equalizer. You don't have to know what that guy does for a living. He's sitting there by himself. We're at a
1: cigar dinner. We got a spot at our table. Come on over. And then this becomes the equalizer. Absolutely. It's one of the greatest things. I'm, uh, I'm so happy being in the cigar business. And I'm, I'm blessed. and I met some of the greatest people in my life by being in the cigar industry. And here
2: comes the next generation
1: yeah my son i'm I'm happy you know i've I've always wanted my my son to blaze his own path my my daughter wants to be a lawyer she wants to work together with her husband who's in development that's great and I always told my son I wanted him to do whatever he wanted um we all want our children to be in our business if we can, but I never pushed it yeah. but my son has always wanted to be in the cigar industry and um the probably the toughest job he's ever had is being my son sure because um People will tell you I'm the easiest guy to work for. And I'm the hardest guy to work for. If you listen to me, I'm real easy. If you work hard, I'm really easy. If you cut corners and you don't listen to me, I'm probably really hard. So, but it's really fair. That's kind of like you said, John, there's, it's not much gray with me, but I'm fair. There's zero. Gray. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> Which but, is great. I, yeah, I love it. I don't, I, I don't see anything
1: wrong with it, but nobody will ever tell you I'm talking bad about you. Cause you'll, you'll know if I like, you'll well, know it, I'm not going to lie. And that's just not me, but he's always wanted to be part of it, and. uh January. I mean, we, we put out the press release six months later, but he started as our director of sales in January. he has been with the company for two years. And all I can tell you, since January, we've had a record January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Under his leadership, he split territories that I thought was not the best idea. All that happened was we increased our sales double digits. He's come up with new packaging that I thought didn't work, that was astronomically successful with the company. So all that I can tell you is he he's a lot smarter than I was at the same age. He was just at a retailer who made a snide remark. He overheard it and he said, you know, uh, Mr. Retailer, you don't owe me a modicum respect because I don't deserve it because I haven't proven anything to you, but you soon will. And remember one thing, you've known my dad a long time. He said, yeah. He said, when you met my dad, he was 25 years old and, by the way, I'm not a 25 year old snot kid. I'm the 26 year old snot kid, and uh, but one thing that's different when my dad started, he had very little experience. I got to train under my dad and listen to my dad since I was 14 years old. So it's been a great experience level that I've gotten because I've gotten to to work with my dad, and uh, you know, he was writing you know six figure orders when he was 16 years old working at the trade show. I, I had yeah. a fake ID and. And I, he'd come to every single trade show, and he'd be writing up. And a lot of people in the industry know him, and I'm proud of him because I rode him super hard. He had to walk before he had to walk to walk before he talked to talk. He's done everything from picking tobacco to emptying containers. And uh, what I love is I think that the uh, salesmen have a lot of respect for him, which is, the, which is paramount for me. Not because he's Nick's son, but because of what he's done. He was never given a desk because he was my son. Um, Has there been pushback
2: from some people? Oh, the son took over a course of No, no, yeah.
1: no, because he, he, he's 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 the director of sales, but he had to earn it. You know, he started on telephones. Yeah, and you know what? He exceeded guys who had a lot
2: more experience to him on the telephones. And one of the things I noticed that... It's not he, easy being him. No, know? it's not. Absolutely. I I can imagine what he no. what he went through because yeah. the, the other people are looking at him a certain way. So he would have to finish the day up better than them. Yeah.
1: And, he, you know, when guys were making 20, he was making 35 calls. Yeah. And uh, when guys were leaving at 6, he was leaving at 7. And when guys were coming in at, at 8, he was coming in at 7. And he was really walking the walk, yeah. not just talking the talk and... It wasn't to try to impress me, I, I don't think. I think he was trying to prove it to himself. And, uh, you know, he'd go on the road, and I could show you emails after emails from retailers saying, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he reminds me of a 50-year-old vice president. Well, he,
2: you know, I'll say the same, because he is... He's an old soul. He's like an older person. He is a young person. He looks like a young person. He's so respectful, but he has all the old qualities. Yeah. Of an older person, of how he talks to person, how he respects me. All these years that he's known me of of Mr David and you know, the way he has always been. And wonderful watching him growing up. And your daughter too. Of um listen, they they grew up well because they had you know, you did well for yourself and these are your two children. So you gave them everything you could give them, but they didn't uh, grow up spoiled. No, they were very disciplined. Yeah. And I, I taught
1: them how hard that I, his, their, their parents had to work and they, they knew that. I mean, just recently, uh, our vice president, Arthur Kemper, had to say, Nicholas, stop calling me Mr. Arthur. you know
2: all these years too he's known him his whole life
1: yeah because they've known him since they were were little kids yeah uh, he was still um they still he was still calling him mr arthur and calling him mr ken even the, the guys in the sales office we have an older guy named kenny kerr who's from up here in new england and he was calling him mr ken and uh, he said, "Stop calling me, Mister Ken. You can call me Ken now." You know, and,
2: and it's time to stop calling him Mister Perdomo. Well, I don't know if he wants to. <laughs> I, I, I don't.
1: I don't. I don't even like to be called. I always say my dad was Mister Perdomo. Yeah. But uh, he's very respectful. He's mis- You know, he likes to say, "No, sir. Yes, ma'am." I. I thought social skills are really important. I taught him that at a young age, and I'm um, I'm really proud of him, and really proud yeah. of my daughter too. You, you brought them
2: up good because they're right. very respectful, um, and, and they certainly. Could be looking down on other people, but that's not how they act at all. Now, I think one of the one of the,
1: the prime points was during Hurricane Mitch. Um, I brought them both down when they were little kids, and uh, we had donated several containers, and uh, I had them passing out food and water to children. And I remember them; they were they would cry at night, and uh, they would always say, "We're so blessed of what we had." And I wanted to do that so they could see how how people live and i think that all those years since they were little kids going down to nicaragua they saw how blessed they were not only that they were born in the united states but also seeing how how children in third world countries live and whether it was helping in charity organizations down there or passing out toys to children or passing out food in december which we always do we pass out bags, whether it be rice and chicken and even cooking oil and things like that. I always involved them into that because I wanted them to see how these kids live. We brought them in the hospitals and seeing the deplorable conditions of these public-run hospitals. I thought it was a big learning experience Mm. for them to see that, where most kids that might not even have any money in the United States have never been able to see that. So my kids were never spoiled. And I always taught them young. They had to work. They had to have allowances. My daughter worked, and you know, at Nordstrom's when she was young. They always worked. They always had jobs and tasks to do. I never wanted them to be these spoiled kids. And there's a lot of kids that might not have the means, but a lot of them are just are, are, are really spoiled because they were they weren't taught properly. And I think proper parenting is really important. Just like you taught your daughter yeah. well too. It doesn't mean anything, whatever your
2: financial conditions are. It's the way you bring up your children. So will you have Nicholas uh, prepare a cigar brand and all the way through or anything like that? I, th- I think in the
1: future, why not? I think he's got the you know, if, if, unless the government and the FDA regulates it, 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 not let him do it. Why not? I think he's he's how, he's how- much further advanced than I was at his age. Yeah, he really is. And. Like for example, he knows a
2: good cigar from a bad cigar. He, he sure did. does. Yeah,
1: he smokes more than I do. I can tell you yeah. that. you know. And I thought I smoked a lot, but he like the the the, the new packaging we have on the on the on the humo, He came up with that yeah. idea. I was totally against it. Well, you know, it worked out great. We sold,
2: and and, and bravo for you for listening to somebody younger than you you know, into How, your company and, yeah. to, and to make that move, I hope I would do the How same. How much of
0: that is saying, okay, you know, you kind of have to earn your stripes and it's time to have your first failure, so right, right. go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of 50-50 because you got to let people fail. There's some times where I've done it with different employees, like a, we've had different brands that I, I didn't feel real good about, but sometimes you have to give the rope for the guys. Sometimes to succeed, you got to let people fail sometimes. And... um you don't want to fail at anything, but I, I can't lie yeah. to you until you have passed at everything. You yeah. know what I mean? So uh you gotta let people learn to fail sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So um I've done that with every one of my employees who've been in what I call my circle of trust, but so far he hasn't failed. So I'm pretty happy with that, you know. it's Is he because
2: you push it for some direction, a different direction for the company?
1: Um yeah, he's had some stuff that um, you know, he's into the algorithms and all these uh these things. He's he's got a new uh software program that he wants to work with the sales department. He's got guys on, on different tracks that he's got uh, moving and they work. And uh, not only are they saving the company money, but time. And we're we're building more efficiencies. And um, I just don't want him to burn out. He puts a tremendous amount of hours in. He's very focused in what he does. But I'm going to let him go because that's the only way he's going to learn. And um, You know, I'm a big guy. I'm a big believer in stretching people because people don't know how much they can do. And um, people can do a lot. And he's one of those guys that uh, he does a lot. There's only
0: one way to make a diamond. You've got to have the raw materials to begin with, but then you need intense pressure and intense heat. And without having all three things, you never get a diamond. And this is – it seems like Nicholas has been through the intense pressure and the intense heat. He certainly has – the raw materials and he's going to continue to shine i don't think he's going to burn
1: himself amen off. no I, I think you're absolutely right and he but he's just so he likes the pressure he, he likes, likes it he yeah. likes the intensity i think he's like his dad i was an air traffic controller i love the pressure i think he likes it too He
2: i'll tell you at, at his sister's wedding he was talking cigar business at the <laughs> wedding and you came over and said nicholas we're at the wedding get off the cigar business and things when i saw it I saw I thought to myself he really loves it. He loves it. He loves it. So there's the passion. There was no doubt about it it was there at that point. Yeah, he absolutely loves it. It's all it it it's what
1: consumes him when he got married to Lauren. Uh, I think I had told you he said, I am going to be traveling at least yes. once a week out of the month and that's that's the way it is. And you have to understand it because that's that's our family business and I have to be with our consumers and our retailers and uh she understood, but I thought it was a great thing he told her that from the beginning. Yeah.
2: Now I see a new brand ambassador you have with us here today.
1: Yeah. We have uh, Ralph Valdez from Miami who, uh, is coming up. He's a guy, he was a police officer for many years and he was a, con- he was a customer of mine and we became friends. And when he retired, it's always hard when you like somebody a lot that wants a job and, mm-hmm. uh, came on board and, uh, you know, you see somebody kind of like that diamond in the rough that you yeah. talked about, Jonathan. And, uh, you know, great voice, you know, this baritone voice, very disciplined. And uh the great thing is I, I saw I saw progress, you know, and, and real good progress. And um you know, he'd come to the show and, and he really resonated with our with our customer base and people really liked him. And I would get emails. This guy Ralph is fantastic. Ralph's fantastic and uh first guy in the morning, last guy to leave lots of phone calls, very disciplined. And, uh, I knew him a long time. He was, uh, he was a shooting instructor with the Miami police department, taught both my kids to shoot when they at a young age too, on top of it, but just extremely p- disciplined, just like a sniper. And, uh, not only is a great salesman, but a great guy. And um, yes, yeah, basically what we want to do is—I don't know what the what the title is—but I would call him kind of like an area manager, where he's going to be working together with our sales team, kind of underneath my son. And uh, I think our retailers and consumers are really going to enjoy him. Not only is he a good man, good father, good family man, but he's a—he's an outstanding salesman. And he's just a stand-up guy.
2: And he's going to make his way around cigar shops, around the country. All
1: over the country. And uh, it's, Look uh, for
2: him, Ralph, and he's a good, good guy. Something
1: yeah. that impressed me right out of the gate is
0: you end up meeting somebody new. And, and we, we are pretty high volume here in the Salem location. But to see him when everybody was busy, be able to make his way over to a customer that walked in, greet them, ask them what they're looking for. Not necessarily is he going to show them Perdomo. Of course, he's going to talk about it. But ready to help them in any way that he could. That struck me
1: right, right. Yeah, away.
2: he was one of the gang right off exactly, the bat. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Didn't and,
2: even know the know us here, and and yeah,
1: he felt like part of the team. Yeah. Yeah. At the cigar dinner, he walked around every table, introduced himself to everybody. I mean, you got guys that have been in this industry for for double digit years; they'll just stand there, won't even talk to the consumers, which still you know, is mind-boggling to me. They,
2: they want to hear from us. That's why we talk uh, each and every week to you out there. Nick Perdomo, thank you. Thank you, This Dave. is the After Thanks. Show. Any new things we should look for for Perdomo?
1: Yes. Uh, starting October 1st, we have the new Estate Selection Vintage Box Press. It's a grandfather product. It comes from our from our, from our new Natalie Farm. It's the first tobaccos from the first crop that'll be put in there. there we We're go. really, really excited about the new cigar. Coming when? It'll be October
2: 1st. October 1st. Let's look for that. Okay, everybody, we'll see you Saturday on the Cigar Authority.
0: Keep the lid end in your mouth this time.